Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Corinthians chapter number 15, 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter, and we'll also have the verses on the screen, but uh, we'll just mu- mainly be in 1 Corinthians uh, 15 this morning, so you may want to open your Bible and uh, make some notes. Our theme, our thought today is the reign of Christ. I want to go ahead and mention a couple of things before we look at our verses, the reign of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, we think about the millennial reign of Christ, which will happen After the uh, seven years of great tribulation, Christ will return and reign upon the earth for a thousand years. There from uh, his uh, father David's throne in uh, Israel. And uh, we we think about that particular part of the reign of Christ. But the reality of it is he's already, he's already on the throne. And so we're going to look at the reign of Christ and how that comes to pass and some kingdoms that had to be subdued before he, could, uh, before he could reign as he is reigning and as he shall reign one day. We'll begin our reading in verse number 19, I believe. In verse number 19, read down through verse number 28. I want you to pay attention to some words as we go through here. Uh, the word put... Sometimes it says he put under or he put down uh, these kingdoms. Uh, Also the word destroyed. Some had to be destroyed. Some were put down. uh, Some were destroyed. And uh, then also the word subdued. You'll see those as we look through uh, these verses. uh, Each progressively stronger than the one before Uh, The word put down, and then the word subdued, and then finally the word destroyed. Some of the kingdoms, again, that he had victory over, had dominion over, in order that there could be a reign of Christ. And uh, we'll come to a point in all this here in just a little while, but I want to lay a few things out for you this morning, help you with this study on the reign of Christ. And so he put some things down, he put some things under. Sometimes he put them under his feet in order to subdue them. And uh, then in some of the kingdoms, uh, the enemies had to be destroyed. And so you'll see that in our reading. Let's begin reading in verse number 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. This is kind of an Easter message over the next few verses. For since man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Every man after his own order, Christ the firstfruits, Afterwards, they, are Christ, they that are Christ at His coming. Then cometh the end. And so we have this first resurrection. Then we have uh, a future resurrection. Then we have a final resurrection in this passage of Scripture. That's not our message this morning. Uh, verse number 24. Then cometh the end, 
when he shall be delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. There it is, that he put down all the rule, all that rule, all that are in authority, and all that be in power. For he must reign till he have put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things, how many times does he have to say this? Under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under his feet, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. Verse number 28, And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son of Man also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Again, our text found in the first few words of verse number 25, for he must reign. When you come to the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, it is a story. Uh, the theme of this chapter is victory. The victories that Christ has won. The theme is to have victory. There are three in particular, and we'll look at several others that are given to us in the scripture. Uh, the first one being uh, this, uh, the victory over death. The victory over death. Now these three things, these three things that I want to mention, I want to mention his reign over death, hell, and the grave. Because that's really what matters. That Jesus Christ has conquered death and hell and the grave. Those three things must have been conquered in order that Christ could reign. That He could establish the kingdom that you and I that are saved will enjoy one day as His people. But you see, it wasn't always that way. Uh, back in the Garden of Eden, you didn't have these three things. You didn't have death. The Bible said in uh, Genesis 2, in verse number 17, you can see it there, but the, of the tree of life and of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt, shalt not eat of it. Look at this. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It wasn't always that way wasn't always that way. So this new kingdom comes forth. Notice what the Bible said in Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, Adam, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And that's the reason that you have to be saved. That's the reason for the new birth. That's Listen, it's because of the sin that was passed down from our great, 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 great generations, 40, 50 generations beforehand when Adam sinned against God in the Garden of Eden. That is a sin. It has corrupted the blood that flows through our veins and everyone has been contaminated and tainted by the blood of Adam. That's why everybody has to be saved. That's why we're born in sin. And sin did my mother conceive me. It's that same bloodline all the way from Adam to the baby that was just born at, uh, since we started this service this morning somewhere in the world. 
a polluted bloodline. And so that bloodline has brought death. Notice what he said again. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that, uh, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The Bible said in the book of Leviticus, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Wasn't always that way. And so once this, once this kingdom, this domain made its way into the world, this thing called death then Jesus had to be the victor over death. And he did. Here in 1 Corinthians, we see that. Here's another one. I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. Um, in, in the Garden of Eden, there was no death. In the Garden of Eden, there was no hell. His victory over, is over death, hell, and the grave. Death, hell, and the grave. But it wasn't always a matter. There wasn't always a hell. The Bible said and, uh, in the uh, book of uh, Matthew in chapter number 25 and verse number 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. But look at this. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was never meant for mankind. Nobody has to die and go to hell. If you die and go to hell, you'll be out of place, my friend. It was designed and made for the devil and his angels, not you and not me. And so here's another kingdom that you must conquer. The reign of Christ over death, the reign of Christ over hell. The Bible said these words in 2 Peter 2.4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Jude, verse number 6, the Bible said, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. But it was made for the devil and his angels. And so Jesus has conquered death. And Jesus has conquered hell. Let's move on. You'll get past the introduction in just a moment. Uh, back over in the Garden of Eden, there was no death until Adam sinned against God. Back over in the Garden of Eden, there was no hell until Adam had sinned against the... Well, hell was there, but prepared for the devil and his angels, but would eventually become the place where sinful man would stay for eternity. Some people say you'd spend eternity in hell, but you don't spend eternity in hell. You could stay there a thousand a lifetimes and you'd never be you'd never spend hell because it's forever and forever and so we have uh, that Jesus now he has become the victor this is what our chapter is about he is victorious over death he's victorious over hell and then finally he's victorious over the grave now that finally is not the one at the end of the service where we pray and go home right? or go down to the restaurant that's one of our finalies one of our finalies and so it wasn't always that way. There wasn't, uh, when, you think of a, when you think of a grave, a burial place, uh, in the Garden of Eden, originally there was no graveyards in the Garden of Eden. There was no death, there was no hell, there was no grave. The graves are first mentioned in the scripture. And uh, further on in the book of Genesis in chapter 15 and verse number 15, God speaking to Abraham said these words about the grave. Wasn't always so, but one day, just as sure as death began to reign and hell began to reign, now the grave has become victorious. And so Jesus has got to conquer this kingdom. 
He's got to put everything under his feet. He's got to subdue everything. Some things he's got to destroy. But he's got to reign. He is the king of glory. And he shall reign, ladies and gentlemen. And so what he's been doing for these last 2,000 years is one by one, every evil dominion, every evil situation, everything that's evil and wicked about life, and all of the sin and, and death and hell and the grave, everything, he is putting those things under him so that he shall reign. He shall reign. Listen to me carefully this morning. No grave. God speaking to Abraham, finally there's going to be a graveyard. Now we're well into the book of Genesis. And uh, thou shalt go thy, uh, to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. And so we find the first reference to a burial place. Look in, in the book of uh, Genesis chapter number 35, first mention of the word grave in the scripture, verse number 20. And Jacob set up a pillar upon her, Rachel, you'll see that, a grave, that is a pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. And so now not only has Jesus become the victor, he's the conqueror. By way of introduction, the theme of our text, the theme of our chapter is that Jesus is victorious. Not some of the time, not part of the time, but my friend, all the time. Everything that would come up, starting with over in the Garden of Eden when Adam sinned against God, God already had a plan to take care of sin. When, when hell was made for the devil and his angels, when, when, the, when they rebelled against the uh, heaven of God, when, they, when the devil said, I, I'm going to send my way up, I'm going to be a God. And, and uh, when all of that transpired, God already had a plan to take care of a place called hell. God already had a plan to take care of before the first body was ever put beneath the sod, before there was ever a eulogy, before there was ever a, a burial uh, anywhere in the world. God had already made plans that one day Jesus Christ would also be victorious over the grave. I hope you see where I'm getting, where I'm heading. I'm not just a rambling up here. I'm heading somewhere, friend. And I, I want to tell you, those are, those are three of the things that, that people fear the most. And that's where, he, that's where he claims his victory, his first victory, is over death and hell and the grave. Not necessarily in that order, but people fear that. People fear that. Uh, back in olden times, this matter of graves, every culture... Every a nation of people, they had their own ideas about burial. And my wife says she don't want to be buried in a hole in the ground. She's very claustrophobic. She does okay on elevators and all those kind of things. But she said that when she dies, make sure that she's good and dead and uh, have her embalmed and then carry her out on, in a nice little uh, plain area, you know, just a nice little garden area and just put a kind of a net over so the birds and all those kind of things won't munch on her. And... Uh, but in, you know, and, and there's all, 
the, the Egyptians, they, were, they gave great attention to this matter of graves and burial and the afterlife. For those who were of royal descent, they would, they would, when they would bury them, we know that from the tombs, they would put food and water and clothing and other physical comforts. They would have air chambers and so on and so forth for their royal dead. The Persians, they would bury them with their horses. Sometimes they would bury them with their horses and their servants alive. The Babylonians were the first ones to create and place the ashes in these very artistic glazed urns. The Greeks, they had tombs like beehives where they would put people up in little chambers The Romans, likewise, they carved their uh, tombs out of the rocks and out of the mountainside into the caves. The Hebrews, they would put their, bury their dead in the, uh, in natural caves and and, and tombs that were hewn out of rocks. And so every culture in one way or another, the, the way that we do it commonly here in America, uh, not necessarily that way in other parts of the world. And so everybody knows what it is when you talk about death and hell and the grave. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, the reality of it is Jesus Christ reigns over all three of them. They don't have any power. They don't have any strength. There's there's nothing that they can do to hurt you or harm you. I know one of the greatest fears that people have is dying. Now, if you don't have to shake your head up and, uh, up and down, uh, but you know you do. I mean, nobody's kind of standing in line. I mean, you don't, you don't, if, if they say, hey, we're ready for some more dead, you don't raise your hand up and say, hey, take me. No, not quite. Not quite. I've seen people that were in, in such suffering in, in, uh, in dying that they were begging the Lord to take them on home. I've seen that multiple times. We fear death, don't we? And if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, you've never been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you've never been born again, you've never had your sins forgiven, Jesus Christ is not reigning in your heart. You fear hell. Uh, unless you just choose, you know, and, and uh, just kind of, you know, wipe it out of the back of my mind, say, you know, I don't think about it. I don't, and and, and uh, this is common among people. Uh, they don't think about dying. Uh, they don't think about hell. They don't think about being put in a hole in the ground that's six feet deep and somebody standing there with a square shovel and throwing dirt in over them. We don't like to think about those things. But you know, we don't have to worry about those things either. Not if we know Christ. You got to be more than a Baptist. Now, I'm not talking about being a Baptist. I'm not even talking about being baptized. I'm not even, I'm not talking about being a church member or a good person. I'm talking about being born of the Spirit of God, washed in the blood of the Lamb, sins forgiven. Other kingdoms. There are some other great victories that Christ has won, and then I'll give you two points and we'll be ready for the invitation. Uh, Here's some other victories uh, that he he has claimed, that he's won uh, through his birth, through his life, through his death, through his burial and resurrection. Let's look at a couple of those very quickly. 
When we think about it, when we think about, uh, first of all, his virgin birth and how that, uh, you know, the Christmas story. In his virgin birth, he subdued or uh, he subdued dominion over that corruptible bloodline that we talked about a few moments ago. In his virgin birth, see it on the screen. His virgin birth subdued dominion over the corruptible blood. That, that vile, tainted blood that used to run through our veins and uh, spiritually speaking, uh, has now we have, if you've been saved, if you've been washed in the blood, now uh, by way of typology, there's a, there's a different blood that runs through your veins. That, that blood that runs from one end of the Bible all the way to the other end of the Bible, that's why it really bugs me when I hear all of these, uh, these translations that they take the blood out sometimes 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 times. The blood is the most, there's, a, there's a, a scarlet thread that starts in the Garden of Eden and it goes all the way to the end of the book. In the book of Revelation, there's a bloodline that goes through there that Christ has established. His virgin birth, subdued dominion, of corruptible blood. Here's another one. His miracles. His miracles. These are other victories that he's won for you and for me. His miracles subdued dominion of life's troubles. What about that? You know one of the first miracles that our Savior performed was in the, in the Gospel of John chapter number 2. Perhaps it is his first miracle. And he is there at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, and he performs his very first miracle. But it's not his last miracle. You see, they had a certain need, and God took care of it. And then, he, then, then the Bible goes on, and it talks about uh, this place where there's 5,000 men that are hungry, not counting the women and the children, and they need something to eat. And for the likes of them, they're not able to figure out how in the world uh, 200 pennyworth would not be, be enough money to run down to Burger King and get everybody a Whopper. And so there's this little lad present, and he's got some fish and a little bit of bread. He's got his own personal lunch, and he gives it to Jesus, and Jesus moments multiplies it. I'm telling you through the miracles he subdued dominion over life's troubles. What are you troubled about today? What's your problem today? What's the issue today? And so we have example all the way through the Bible. Here we have this miracle. Uh, the the uh, mariners are at at, uh, at sea, and and uh, and the and the storm becomes uh, outrageous, and and uh, and Jesus comes up uh, from taking a nap in the bottom part of the ship, and he looks out at the sea, and he said, "Peace be still." The miracles of Jesus subdued dominion over your trouble. See, he's got to reign, and he is reigning. I tell you, he's helped me through a lot of my troubles. There's been times that uh, I'm not sure I'd have made it had it not been for that moment that his hand reached further down than I could reach up. You see what's happening? You see what's happening here? He's putting all these things, the miracles. Uh, 
He said, here's what he said about it. He said, these things I do that you may know. You know why he healed the sick and raised the dead? You know why he, he stilled the troubled sea? You know why he fed the hungry multitudes? You know why he raised up the dead and cooled the fevered brow? You know why he performed all these miracles? He said that you may know, that you may know, that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. That's your biggest trouble. It's not your toe ache or your ingrown toenail, and those can be very troubling. It's, it's not the, you know, it's not that we've got too much month at the end of the money necessarily. That can be very troubling. But if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, He wants you to know, I, I performed all of these miracles. Look at it again. His miracles subdued dominion of life's troubles. Of life's troubles. I'm glad to know that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it says up at, up at the top of the page, the reign of Christ over your troubles. He did that. Just like he took care of death, hell, and the grave. The things that we fear the most. He took care of our daily troubles. Brother Montgomery was in one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament this morning, Psalm 46. For God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in somebody say it. You know the word problem is not even in the Bible. There's troubles, there's trials, there's tribulations. There are no problems. Just Troubles. And he, he put that whole kingdom. You just, you just write it on a little piece of paper, and uh, you just write it on a little, little piece of paper, and we'll pass the plate, and you can drop whatever your trouble is in here, this side and this side and this side, and we'll have 100, 150 different things that people are troubled about, and he put all of that under him. And he stands on top of it victoriously. The reign of Christ. Victories that he won. Here's another one. Not only his virgin birth, not only his miracles, but also his life subdued or subdued dominion of human bondage. Look at that. How this old flesh, it is so domineering in our lives. And uh, it, the apostle Paul talked about it. He said, I have trouble with it. He said, when I would do good, he said, I wind up doing bad and blamed it on the flesh. That's the way it is in this life. But in his life, he lived this perfect life and he had dominion over that human bondage. All of those fleshly lusts and fleshly desires and, and all of the things and, and the greed and the envy and the jealousy and all of the things that are kind of common in humanity... In the, in, in the, in the, on the human page of the book, all of these various things, he took every single one of them and he subdued them and put them under him that he might reign. His life subdued, subdued dominion over human bondage. That's why A.A., doesn't always get the job done. But I tell you, I tell you, there's, there's one way to get sober. You meet Jesus. He'll take care of that. 
and, and, and the other little vices. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not picking at anybody this morning because we all have them. We just don't like to talk about ours and put it in the notes on the screen. We all have That's part of the human bondage. That, listen, we're, 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 we're chained, we're bound to this old flesh. And this flesh has its own desires and it has its own lust and and it has it and and if it's not the the lust of the eyes and if it's not the lust of the flesh then it's the pride of life you know i mean we're just we're just every single day they asked the old time preacher he 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 said inside he said how do you how do you make it through the day and he said well when i get up every morning i realize that there's two bad dogs inside of me one of them's a good dog and he likes to do the right things and he likes to go to the right places and the other one is a real bad dog and he doesn't want to do the right things. He doesn't want to go to the right places. He doesn't want to say the right things. And they say, which one wins out? And he said, whichever one I say sick them to. Whichever one I say sick them to. And so his life by perfect example this human bondage he becomes victorious but that's not all what about his ministry his ministry in the fourth place subdued dominion over religious servitude his ministry pointed out hey Pharisees you got a problem hey you bunch of publicans you got a problem hey you, you of religious orders, you that are bound to religion. He said, you got a problem. But Jesus in his ministry, he identified all that, he defined all that, he pointed that out and gave opportunity to have something more than religion. To have something more than religion. Religion at its base is Probably not a bad thing. If you, if you just want to be a good person, if you just want to stay out of, out of jail, a religion will probably help you out. But if you want to stay out of hell, you better have more than just a religious servant. You, better, you know, people are bound to a Baptist. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Baptist. I got saved in the Baptist church. Uh, I got called to preach in the Baptist church. I've been pastoring in the Baptist church. And, uh, but uh, none of that, none of that is what I'm trusting in this morning. Lord, let me live to the 20th day of this month. It'll be 50 years ago. It, it'll be 50 years ago that I got on my knee beside that old couch and that 12 by 44 New Moon mobile home, closed my eyes, prayed along with the pastor, confessed that I was a sinner, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and had all my sin 50 years ago. 50 years ago. So he took care of all that. I, 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 I wasn't anything. I wasn't a Baptist. We had visited periodically the Church of the Nazarene maybe half a dozen times. Never joined there. I wasn't a Nazarene. I wasn't Church of God. wasn't tell you, I, I just wasn't anything, and I became everything in Christ. Let's hurry on this morning. There's a fifth thing, and this one took care of it all, and we'll close. 
And so his virgin birth, his miracles, his life that he lived, his ministry, his, his ministry took care of this religious servitude because it distinguished between law and grace. Old Lester Roloff pre preached a message when uh, law and grace met face to face. I tell you, the grace, it wins out every time. It wins out every time. And so his crucifixion, dominion over sin's enslavement. Oh, yeah. Sin's enslavement. I like the song that said Calvary took care of it all. <laughs> oh, every, everything that I've already said, it's because of Calvary. All of that was taken care of. When he hung there between heaven and earth on the pole, and he cried out, It is finished. It's all said and done. All dominion is mine. Everything has been put under my feet. Christ reigns forever. His crucifixion over sins and enslavement. Now, Let's say this about the three things that we started with. Death, hell, and the grave. Let me just say this very quickly. Our time's come and gone in his death. Look in, in our chapter, in verse number, four, uh, verse number 15. Look in uh, verse, number, verse number 54. He said these words. He said, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is the victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In his death, he took away the sting. Took away the sting. Now I don't know what all that means. I'm sure some of you could school me on that after the service this morning. You probably have notes. Maybe you have a Schofield or something. My, I don't have any, any notes or anything. I, my Bible's not even a red-letter edition. I mean, it's just old wide-margin Cambridge Bible. doesn't have any notes or anything. In it. Maybe it says out on the side what the sting of death is. I looked through all my books at the house, hundreds and hundreds of books, and I looked at every one of them. Had anything to do with 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and not one person ever mentioned what the sting of death is. But you know, uh, I, I think that it could be something like this. We don't have this in our notes. It could be the fear of death. He pulled the stinger out. It could be the sorrow of death. I mean, who wants to leave their family behind? The sorrow of death. It could be the pain of death. I, I love those stories. I've had 200 funerals in my ministry, and I've been there multiple times when people would take their last breath. I was there, my own dad, my arms were underneath him. He was laying in Deidre's lap. My arms were up under him. I was holding his head up when he took his last breath. Been there multiple times. And I love those stories about, you know, they just kind of 
it, it was just so peaceful, but I've, I've seen people go through pain and die. Horrific pain. Maybe it's the pain, I don't know, but, but uh, whatever it is, he took the sting out of it. He took the stinger out of death. Uh, maybe it's death's grip. I mean, you know, there just comes a place. And, and like I say, I've been there before. And, you know, and, and we don't want to let them go. And, 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 the, and it gets later and later. We were talking about it earlier before the service. And, and you, we don't want to, our brothers and sisters to pass and our mom and dad, our children, uh, whatever the case may be. We, we don't want that to happen. And we do everything that we can to hold on, hold on, hold on as long as we can. And rightfully so. The sting of death could have something to do with that. It could have something to do with fear. It could have something to do with sorrow. It could have something to do with pain. It could have something to do with that grip that just won't let go. And the doctors say there's nothing that we can do. And unless Jesus moves in, nothing will happen. And in just a little while, they take their last breath and they're gone home to be with Jesus. Maybe it's the unknown. I mean, we only have record of what, three in the scripture that went through it and lived again and, and bore record of it. Just less than a handful. I've heard, these, I've heard stories about people that went over there and came back. I don't know why they want to, but some pretty wild stories, by the way. And so in death, he took away this thing. In hell, he took away the keys. <laughs> That's what he said in Revelation 1.18. I'm fixing land now. I am he that liveth and was dead. <laughs> Behold, I'm alive evermore. Amen. And have the... Got the keys. <laughs> Isn't that just... Old devil don't even have keys to his own house. Jesus came up out of that grave. On the third day, he got up out of the grave rattling the keys. I've got the keys of death. I've taken away the sting of, the key of, of hell. I've taken away his keys. There's so much to preach here, and, and we've and we got to go eat. Death. He took away the sting. Hell, he took away the keys. And here's the last one. The grave, he took away the victory. Look in the same chapter. In the same chapter again, chapter 15. In um, uh, verse number 50. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit. I've read this so many times at funerals. This is why people have to die. Cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. It's the unknown of death. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be all be changed. In the moment, in, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And so he said that I've given the victory. When Jesus was buried in that borrowed tomb, somebody said, 
No need to buy one. He's just going to be there for a little while, three days and three nights. Heard the old-time preacher say, well, you know, the grave's not that bad a place. He said Jesus went there and he cleaned it out and he took care of it and made it a pleasant place to wait on the resurrection. Much better than being laid out on the ground with a net over top of you. Jesus has taken care of the grave. He told us in 1 Thessalonians, brother, again, Brother Wayne alluded to it in the Sunday school hour, and he said, uh, he said, he said, brethren, he said, uh, about these which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Ain't no grave. Brother Sammy Allen always preached it. He died a year or so ago of COVID. One of the greatest preachers I've ever known preached here many, many times. I mean, he was a preaching machine. He said, one day, he said, you're going to get a phone call and say, oh, Brother Sammy Allen has passed away. Brother Sammy's dead. He'd say something like, you might read the obituary in Calhoun, Georgia, that Sammy Allen is dead. He said, I want you to he said, I don't want you to believe a word of that. He said, that's the biggest lie that's ever been told. He said, when my last breath leaves this body, he said, I'll be more alive than I've ever been. Home with Jesus, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so Jesus has given all, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the reign of Christ for a thousand years. Who knows? I might be mayor of Dasher. I, ha, I don't have a clue what I'll be in serving him. One of these days, uh, he's going to reign for a thousand years and we'll reign with him. But he's reigning right now. And here's my question. He reigned over death, hell, the grave, sin, Life's troubles, how many to give you? Eight, nine, or ten of them this morning. He reigns over all of those things. He subdued all those kingdoms. But has he subdued you? Does he reign on the throne of your heart? If not, he wants to. Would you stand with us for prayer this morning? We're ready to sing. Just as I am without one plea, if we could do that this morning. Let's sing from there if we could quickly. The altars are open. Our message this morning is just simply the reign of Christ. How he won the victory. How he won the victory. Father, we pray your blessings upon these next few moments. I pray that you're reigning in the heart and life of each and every one in this building, every home, every family, every person. If not, Lord, today could be the good hour. Move through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. As we sing together, would you look up and sing with us?